We're in part two of the series that Ryan Holiday, a guy on our staff, kicked off last week and did such a great job. Um, this idea about how to go to a deeper place in our faith. And I heard the illustrations from last week and I thought about when I was raising my kids and they were little and I taught them to swim and go from the shallow end to the deep, deep end, that I'd just pick them up and I'd chuck them in the deep end and just hope for the best. And I decided I'll just pay for the therapy when they get older. Well, we're trying to figure out how to get in the deep end of the pool when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And that's true of you if you're curious and you're a skeptic. Like you're curious about faith, but you're not sure if you believe yet. Because that's an important journey, an important step to take. And maybe it's for you if you feel like you're a bit of a novice, like faith is new to you, but you're hungry to understand, you're hungry to learn and grow. Or maybe you're more like me and you'd say, I'm more of a seasoned veteran and as a seasoned veteran, we have the potential for our faith to become a little stagnant and to get a little lazy. And how do we keep moving it forward? And this series is all about a desire for more and how to figure out when it comes to our faith of how to get out of the shallows, the shallow end of the pool, in a place where our faith can get big and be beautiful and resemble what Jesus did in our lives. Now last week, Ryan told us that it's really important with our faith to feed ourselves. And you may have heard that and went, yeah, that makes total sense. Or maybe you thought, hey, I just can't wait till Matt gets back because then he'll feed me and he'll inspire me. But I gotta tell you, I'm going with Ryan and ultimately Jesus with this because for us as followers of Christ, we are to feed ourselves. I mean, as a church, we wanna help you get there. We wanna encourage you and cheer you on and hopefully teach you some things. But it's so important for us to put down the bottle at some point and pick up the fork and let our faith grow and go into the deeper things in our lives. So today I wanna to talk about the second principle that helps us to get out of the shallows and the deep end of our faith pool. And to help us understand that and see that clearly, I wanna talk about this idea of a dad bod, which I'm gonna be first to confess, I have a dad bod, I am 50 years old, I have four kids, I got a dad bod plus some extra bod on top of the dad bod. But just so we all know what a dad bod is, let me, let me read you a definition of what a dad bod is. A dad bod is the type of physique a man earns when the increasing pressures of work life Mary life and especially fatherhood no longer allow him the time or the drive, keyword drive, to maintain a hard tone figure, hard tone figure. If human bodies were cuts of meat, the dad bod would be more marble ribeye than it would filet mignon. I find that incredibly insulting, but also incredibly true. It goes on. Or if human bodies were sea mammals, the dad bod would be more like a grazing manatee than a speedy dolphin. Again, that is totally offensive, and yet it is totally true. The dad bod is more mudslide than mountain, more soft serve than sorbet, more sad trombone than clarinet. I'm not sure what that means. More mashed potato than skinny fry. And then it says, to sum it all up, the dad bod is built for comfort. And I would just say, absolutely. And when it comes to my dad bod, sometimes I think I gotta change it. And sometimes I am just fine the way it is because my bod is built for comfort. But if you wanna change it, if you wanna change the dad bod, you first gotta be thinking about this, calories in. What about the calories in? And, and you know, we take in good calories, but you get the dad bod from calories in on the couch. 
You know, we used to watch football or baseball, whatever you watch, but now most of us are watching Netflix because right now there's no football. And it's on the couch with an ice cream in one hand and a pizza in the other, and you're just enjoying it, and it produces a dad bod. And you never get rid of the dad bod by turning more couch time up because that just makes the dad bod worse. What you have to do is think about calories in versus calories out. Now, don't send me an email or a messenger with your super secret recipe to get rid of the dad bod or that thing you found online that no one else has found. I mean, really, we get in shape physically from figuring out how to get more calories out than calories in. It's just true. What that means is we might have to pick up one of these. Now, this is my daughter's 10-pound dumbbell, but it's true, right? You use these to start burning more calories out. Again, don't send me an email about why it's only 10 pounds and yours are all 85 pounds and you're stronger than I am. I'm 50. You probably are stronger than I am. But isn't it true? We start exercising. We go to the gym. We get on the bicycle. We start walking. We start running. We start doing the elliptical. Because we realize if we're going to get our bodies in shape, there's got to be more calories going out than coming in. Now, let me just address all the CrossFit dudes out there and dudettes. Because you may be thinking, I don't lift weights. I'm a CrossFit guy. And I like to get on that pull-up bar and I do that crazy pull-up where I get myself up and I'm just wiping y'all out. And that's fun and I appreciate you. But you're also 22 years old. And you can't gain weight to save your life, but one day you're going to turn 35 and you're going to have a couple kids running around and you're going to look down and there's going to be this belly on you. And you go, hey, the dad bod showed up. I'm just preparing you. Because right now you can eat whatever you want and you're just fine. But the dad bod's a challenge. And I say all that to ask this simple question, to move out of the physical realm. What do you do when you don't like the way you look spiritually? Okay, you don't like the way you look in the mirror and you, you can work on that. What do you do when you don't like the way you look spiritually? As a follower of Jesus or maybe somebody that doesn't even have faith, if you're a skeptic, what do you do when you go, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith or I don't have any faith. How do I step forward in that? What do you do when you don't like the way you look as a you know, young Christian or a novice religious person? How do I get deeper in my faith? Or you're a veteran like me and you've been following Jesus for a while and you're like, man, my faith feels so complacent. It actually feels a little stagnant. And you don't want to say this out loud. It feels a little dead. What do I do? Now, the answer for most of us, and the easy answer, and it's a good answer, is I'm just going to turn up the dial on my church attendance, which is really good because we think church is important. Or I'm going to turn up the dial on reading more scripture, which again is really important. Or I'm going to listen to more podcasts or more preachers or more worship music. And all that's really good because we go there first because we think the more that God works, the deeper my faith gets. And again, that's true. Partially. You see, I think our, we think our faith grows just from osmosis. If I'm just around Christians, if I just read the scriptures, then it just kind of, you know, through osmosis changes me. But what if we're getting part of this? What if we're getting part of this backwards? Because part of that is certainly true. And you need to read the scriptures and be part of a church family and listen and worship. That's totally true. But what if we're getting part of it backwards? And what if in order for us to get our spiritual bodies in shape, it's just like our physical bodies, and we've got to put some work into it, some effort into it. What if we had to not just sit and listen, but actually do something with it? Well, it's good that you're asking those questions, because I know I am. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, talks to us directly about this. 
Because the Apostle Paul, he started this little church in a place called Philippi. And it's where we get the letter to the Philippians. And he started this little church, and Philippi was a Roman colony. And let me just pause for a minute and say, if you think it's being difficult, if you think it's difficult being a Christian in our world today, in our culture, and you're threatened by so many things, it pales in comparison to the Christians that were in Roman colonies. Because at any moment, they could just lose their life for what they believe. And Paul starts this little church there, and he leaves to start some other churches, and he must have thought, I need to write them a letter to encourage them how to have spiritual fitness, spiritual strength, to get to the deep end of the pool and get out of the shallows. And so we're going to look at um, Philippians chapter 2 today, and I want to start about halfway through the text that we're going to read together. It'll give us a basis for where we're going, because this is what Paul says. He says, then, remember, these are his friends, then... You will shine among them like stars in the sky. Isn't that cool? And you will shine like Jesus among the people in the world. You know what it means to shine? Because you may have been at the beach, you may have been at the pool, and somebody got out of the water, and immediately they caught your attention, and they just shined a little more than everybody else. Now, if you're married, and you're sitting next to your spouse, looking at them right now and say, baby, you're the only one that shines at the pool for me. It will just get you in a good place. So just do that. But you know how that is. Well, Paul was talking about shining spiritually. He's talking about having your soul so filled up and so full of good things that it just shines. It's a faith that shines above the fray of things. It's having character that people may see your character, see your integrity and go, that's amazing. I have not seen character like that before. It just means to shine in an amazing way. Now, this is where Paul wants the readers of this to get. But we got to back up a little bit to figure out how to get there. So just go back a verse and he writes this. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And I love this because he says, it's God who works in you. God's going to do something in you. That, that's that deal when you hear a message, whether it's me or Andy or somebody you listen on the internet and they say something and you're just like, how did you know? How did you know I needed to hear that? How did you know I was struggling with that? Well, That's God working in you. It's that place where this song comes on that sings about Jesus and there was something in you that you didn't know how to express and then you heard that song and it lit up your heart because it expressed how you feel inside whether it was sadness or joy or something in between and that's God working in you. It's it's when you read the scriptures and you read something you've read a hundred times and all of a sudden it makes sense to you and you can apply it to your life and you're like, I've got to figure that out. I've got to spend time with it. I've got to work through that. that. That's God working in you. Those, my friends, that's calories in and that's really good. And that's essential. And without God working in us, I mean, in my opinion, we're kind of lost. But the apostle Paul would say, that's not all that needs to happen to get your spiritual bodies in shape. And we know that because in this little phrase is this little word says it's for, which means there's something before this thing that Paul says. So to go back one more verse, he says, therefore, therefore, my dear friends, because he loved these people. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and it didn't mean they were perfect, it just meant they leaned into Jesus. They were chasing after it. As you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Because remember, he went to start other churches and he left them to you know, kind of press on for themselves. He says this, continue. And here's the key word for today. To work 
out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let me just address this phrase, fear and trembling. What he's simply saying is, take it seriously. It really matters. Your salvation and working it out matters to God, and it's got to matter to you like it's precious. Like when you hold it, you think, oh, this is the most important thing in the world. But when he says work out, this is the second half to this thing of God's working in. God's working in me, so I've got to work out what God has put in my life. This is where it comes together. This is where we go to the deeper part when we're willing to work out what God has given us freely. And understand, when you think about working out your salvation, it has nothing to do with I'm working for my salvation. I'm not doing these things because I want God to love me because God can't love you anymore and he cannot love you any less. I want God to forgive me. No, you are forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. Eternal life comes through faith in Jesus and nothing else. But working out our salvation is when we say God has lavishly given me something and now I want to use it and I want to work what's on the inside out around me. For you, it might simply be this. I've got a habit in my life. That started out as something that was just kind of fun on the weekends, but now it's an addiction, and now it's time for me to get past it and to step over it and to conquer that habit and to get some help. Through Jesus' power and maybe some other people, I'm, I'm going to work out my salvation in a negative habit I have. Maybe for you it's character. You look in the mirror and you go, my character does not match the character of Jesus, and I need to start letting that character of Jesus out in my life. I'm going to work intentionally at it. For you, it's loving someone that's difficult to love, and you've decided, I'm done loving them, I'm done loving them, and Jesus said, no, I've loved you in the worst kind of times, now work that out for other people in your life. (laughs) It's this exciting adventure of inviting someone to church, which hopefully in a couple weeks you'll be able to do here, but it is even more risky but exciting to say to someone, hey, come to my house watch service with me. Let's talk about it together. And you will see, man, church in a whole different way. It's when you work out your salvation. It's when you love someone. It's when you volunteer in an environment that you're not sure. I mean, you you think you love Jesus now, and then you decide to volunteer in transit and work with middle school students. And you may quit right away, but probably what's going to happen, you're going to see life happen in them, and it's going to light your own faith up in the most incredible way. Such a cool thing. Work out your salvation. So if we could just go back and read this whole thing together and put it together, he simply says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence when I was there, but now much more in my absence, continue. I mean, keep going to work out. Love that word. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. And that's not going to stop. He's going to speak, keep speaking to your heart, pouring into you, giving you what you need on the inside to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is simply what the Apostle Paul is saying to you and me and this precious little church in a place called Philippi 2,000 years ago. Work out what God is working in. Work out what God is doing inside you. This is how we get out of the shallows. This is how we change. This is how we get rid of our spiritual dad bods. And our faith starts to look more like what Jesus intended it to. 
Now, I got to pause for a minute because some days and some seasons, this isn't so strong. And you can choose to beat yourself up. Maybe you're in a season right now where it's not gone well for you. And you just feel like, oh, Matt, you're just killing me and I want to quit. Don't, don't quit. God loves you so much and there's so much grace for you. But the invitation is don't quit and don't go backwards. Come on. There's something better for you. And the reason we know something's better when it comes to our faith is that a deep faith, and that's what we want. A deep faith is one that is exercised. You just can't get to the deep faith laying on the spiritual couch in our lives. No matter how good you think, you know, I communicate or Ryan communicates or Ben leads us in worship or you love Andy Stanley, you hear his messages and you're like, every time Andy talks, it's just amazing. Maybe you love Stephen Furtick. He's a young guy getting after it. Maybe for you, it's Beth Moore. Oh, I just love Beth Moore so much. And every time I hear Beth Moore, my heart just mourns. My heart just pours out. By the way, if you're not a Christian, you may not know who any of those names are, don't sweat it. But if those are your favorite people, that that's okay. But it's just not about hearing and getting more information. And we know this because deep in our lives, when it comes to our faith, is not a collection of experiences. It's not another Matt message. It's not another Andy message. It's not another Beth Moore message. It's not just another great worship song. It's not just another great study. Hey, we got a great study, we got another great study, all the studies are so good, we study, study, study. No, that, that's not what deep is. Deep is a collection of applied experiences. Deep is where you hear, where you sing, or you read, and then you decide, I'm gonna take what I've heard, what's been given to me, and I'm gonna use it and exercise it. Now you may have experienced this if you've ever gone to some sort of Christian conference or Christian um, concert. For me as a pastor, I've gone to lots and lots of Christian conferences and I have been so moved and my emotions have swelled so much at some of these things that I've heard people say things that I thought were just for me and they were. But what I've realized along the way that going to Christian conferences doesn't make me even more deep as a Christian you know, then sitting in my garage makes me a car. Because it's not about being there, it's about doing something with it. It's so interesting, when Jesus would gather his followers, he would teach them and he would show them who he was, he'd let them see him do miracles, which is a powerful thing, and then he would say, all right boys, go out and do it yourself. And he would send them far away to go do ministry, to love people, to teach people, to tell people about him. And they would come back and report, then he would teach them for a while, and then he would send them out, which is really interesting because you would think if Jesus is only on the planet teaching and ministering for three years, it would make sense for them to be around him the entire time. But Jesus knew something. What they heard and what they learned had to be exercised. That's why we would love for you to join us, serving in our church and transit and the high school ministry in the, in the parking lot. We'd love for you to invite, because every time you invite someone, it helps you experience what God has taught us to do. For some of you, let me just be really blunt. It's time for you to defeat a sin in your life. I mean, you've read and you know enough about that thing that's going on that you know you shouldn't do it, and you go, ah, I shouldn't do it, and I'm not gonna do it next year. Maybe it's time for you to say, listen, it's time for me to say no to that sin now. And God, I'm gonna need your help, and I'm gonna need some, some support, but maybe it's time for that. Maybe for you, the physical and spiritual exercise would be this. 
I'm going to deal with a wound. I've been wounded by somebody and I've ignored it and I've shied away from it. And I've read over and over that Jesus keeps talking about forgiveness. And I don't want to forgive that person, but it's like the Jesus way. And I'm going to start the journey of forgiveness. It's working out what's on the inside to the outside. And this is where we go to the deep end. This is where we see God's beauty and his mercy and his grace. When we decide to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then the Apostle Paul goes on. I love how he says this. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. That means have a heart full of joy. And in a world where everybody wants to argue with each other and wants to grumble about everything, especially about all those people, Paul says, nah, let's have a heart full of joy because you're deciding to get in the mess, not just talk about the mess. You decide to engage in the life of Christ with other people, not because you just want to criticize everyone else. By the way, my friends, if you're a Christian, side note, everybody that disagrees with you is not just stupid or just wrong or they just don't know what you know. It's just not the way it works. We're all a little bit wrong in some way. And Paul says, yeah, that's why you got to do this without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, a heart full of joy. He says, so you could become children, I love this, children of God without fault and warped in a crooked generation. And he says this because we live in a crooked generation. And again, this is not that we would be perfect people, but when people see us come and they would say, their faith tells them they're to love and they love well. Jesus tells them to forgive and they forgive well. To have honesty and integrity and character. You know what? That's what their faith is about. And that's how they live their lives to the best that they can. That's what Paul is saying. And then he gets to it. Then, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then he talks about himself in this interaction with his church he started. He says, and then I, talking about Paul, will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. You know what Paul wants to say about his people and Jesus wants to say about you and I as his people? I didn't waste it on you. You received lavishly all that love and that grace, but it was not in vain because you passed it on. Because you realize there's people in the world that were watching your lives and you were compelled to live like Jesus. And in return, they were compelled to follow Jesus. That's the story we get to write. That God lavished his love on you from the inside and you let that pour out on the outside. Because a faith that is exercised is one that shines. And so with that in mind, I thought I would just give you a couple really practical things that you could do to let what's happened on the inside for you if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, you can still practice this to get that on the outside. And the first is simply this, is to serve. I am convinced that serving people is one of the key things that takes us to the deep end of our spirituality. In fact, for our church, serving, I mean, it's our jam, man. We have so many people that serve and for kids, and they serve for teenagers, they serve for adults, they serve to produce you know, a, a service like this one. I mean, they just serve like no one else I've ever met in our church. And you could join that, or you could step in deeper, because you know, when you give your life away is where you find life. And when you help someone else discover Jesus through your servanthood, it's an amazing thing which runs right into the next jam we got going on. And that's when you invite someone to church. And again, you want your faith to be renewed? 
sit next to someone that doesn't know God loves them and watch their eyes light up when they discover in their heart that Jesus actually gave everything for them and have them look over at you and go, hey, thanks for bringing me here. Thanks for letting me come to your living room. Thanks for introducing me to Jesus. That's where our faith just explodes in the most beautiful way. And as a church, this is how we've grown. Not because we do a lot of billboards and a lot of radio spots, we've done those. But our church has grown because you all have invited people to be loved by God and God's people. It's amazing. Here's another idea. You could share something you're learning with people. As you read, as you listen, you could pass that along to people. Now, caveat, that doesn't mean you need to be everybody's personal Bible teacher and point out everything they're doing wrong, but what if you could, as you, as you learn things that are helpful, just simply gently pass those along and encourage people. You can do it. We can do it. You can be there for people in that amazing way. Maybe, maybe for you, it's be kind and be generous. You're kind with your time. Like there's a nonprofit in town that you just decided, you just decided, man, I'm going to give some of my kindness to that nonprofit. I'm going to spend time with them. Maybe for you, it's generosity. I'm telling you, you want your faith to grow, and a lot of people don't believe me until they try this. Decide to be generous with your money. It's like your local church, because you will write that check. You will give that donation, you will go online and you'll give, and it will make you nervous, and it'll make your palms sweat. But as you do it, what you'll say is, Jesus, I'm trusting you, and you will step into the deep end of the pool. Warning, the deep end of the pool is a little scary sometimes. But what you find in this area of generosity is that it helps you float in the greatest kind of ways. Generosity takes you to the deep end of the pool. And then finally, it's this idea of read and listen with action. Before you move on to the next devotion, before you read the next scripture, look at the one you just read to say, listen, I'm not moving on until I do something with this. When God dings your heart, he dings your emotion, you're called to action. Don't just go read another thing until you decide, I'm going to take action on the thing that has stirred my heart. I'm not going to be like so many people when it comes to faith that I'm just going to read and read and read it, but don't do and don't act. Because again, the world's watching, your friends are watching, your, your kids are watching. That is how, my friends, you get into the spiritual gym. It's how you get stronger. It's how you live with, you know, serving, giving, inviting. It's how you get stronger in every part of your spiritual life. Now, before we wrap up, I just wanted to show you this really fun picture of Michael Phelps. And I just heard this this week. Do you know how many calories Michael Phelps, who's this amazing Olympic swimmer, took in every day when he was at the peak of his training for each of the Olympics? About 12,000 calories. And the reason Michael Phelps needed 12,000 calories a day is because every day he would spend in exercise and training at least 12,000 calories that went out of his body. And the reason I tell you that, other than this dude was amazing and the result were gold medals upon gold medals, is we live in a time where we have access to the greatest Christian teachers of all time. And I, I hope you feel like you're getting that here. 
but you also can pull out your phone and you can hear and listen to every podcast, every sermon from all around the world, every worship song. I mean, if you want to listen to worship music, all you got to do is say, you know, to your phone, hey Siri, she's going to turn on and do it now if I say it, play me this. And your, your phone will sing you Christian worship stuff. And that's fantastic. But what if with all of this access to all of these calories, we decided to exercise with them? You decided to carry somebody's burden this year who cannot carry it themselves. You decided I'm going to stand in the gap for someone that cannot stand right now. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone you don't even like. But I'm going to stand in the gap with them. You maybe decide, I'm going to literally hold back the darkness in the name of Jesus for somebody that's just getting crushed by darkness, and I'm going to stand with them in the middle of that. What if, what if you did that? When the whole world seems to have lost its mind right now, you could be somebody that goes, I'm not losing my mind. I'm going to have love. I'm going to have integrity and patience, and I'm not going to put another dumb thing on Facebook and look like an idiot like so many people are tempted to do. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to exercise what's on the inside because when God loved me the way he did, I cannot do anything but give that kind of love to others. This, my friends, is where your faith goes to the deepest, deepest place. Listen to all the messages. Read as much scripture as you can. Listen to all the worship music, but then decide what's on the inside I'm going to get on the outside of my life no matter what it takes. And the Apostle Paul will say, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. What if we decided it's time to shine? It's time to let God do a work in us. And then it's time for us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling that will change our lives and those around us. This is one of the huge steps to getting out of the shallows and into the deep end with Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that the Apostle Paul gives us this tension about what you're doing inside us. And I pray you would keep doing much in us in what we listen to and what we read and how our hearts are filled up. Let us never forget that. But then, Jesus, give us the strength to let what's on the inside come out and love well and invite well and for the spiritual disciplines and coming, getting over sin and habits that hurt us and parenting well and being a good neighbor. Help that to happen in our lives. And when we don't get it right, Jesus, thanks for forgiveness and grace to try again. But when we do get it right, Jesus, I pray that we could shine like stars amongst the people in our world. Thanks for your immense, unending, lavish love in our lives. We love you as you love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.